0: episode 831 our position by position preview series continues with a look at martellus bennett and the rest of the green bay packers tight ends our guest is cheesehead tv's own andy herman it's all coming up on railbird central next Good morning Green Bay Packers fans and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the Packers tight ends. To do that, we're joined by a guest. We're going to have an interview with Cheesehead TV's own Andy Herman, one of the newest contributors to the site. Listen in and enjoy. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? Right now on Railbird Central, we're talking to Cheesehead TV's own Andy Herman. Andy, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. No problem. Andy is one of the newest writers at Cheesehead TV, and Andy, to so our listeners can get to know you a little bit le- uh, better, can you tell us a little bit about your background as a Packers fan and uh, uh, what brought you to write at Cheesehead TV?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Green Bay, so it's uh, kind of part of the birthright of you know becoming a Packer fan right away. Um, I've been lucky enough that my parents had season tickets, so I've been going to Packer games since I was uh, really young. Um, Probably the thing that stuck out to me the most growing up as a Packer fan, uh, and probably a game that a lot of Packer fans remember, is one of the very first games that I ever went to. I was sitting in the north end zone. Uh, Quarterback named Don Mikowski went down injured. Another quarterback named Brett Favre made his first appearance in a regular season game for the Packers. Obviously, uh, through the game winning touchdown to Kitcher Taylor, right in the end zone that I was in, my dad lifted me up over his shoulders, saw it perfectly, and uh, to this day, it's one of the favorite memories that I have. Uh, that really is kind of what indoctrined me in the uh, Packers' lore and the Packers' religion, if you will. And ever since then, it's just been uh, kind of part of my DNA. I've been a hardcore Packer fan, and uh, obviously, we've been blessed here in Green Bay to, you know, during that time period to have some amazing football teams to watch. And as time goes on, or as went on, I, you know, I, as soon as it was available, I got really interested in fantasy football. And then as I grew older, I got really involved with uh, the draft and scouting players. So that was kind of um, where I got into things from a passionate standpoint with football. And uh, the reason I am with She Said TV now is I just thought it was a tremendous opportunity uh, to continue to grow as a writer, as a Packer fan, as a, you know, a football fan and i was just really excited for the opportunity so i'm uh, pumped to be a part of it
0: well we're glad to have you on board andy and today we're going to be talking about the packers tight ends as we continue our position by position preview series here and andy we'll we'll talk about specific players in a moment but in general did you agree with the packers approach to free agency where they went out and spent some of the most money in years including two tight ends yeah,
1: I absolutely did. I thought I thought it was pretty exciting, and I thought it was a pretty big statement from I thought both the front office and the coaching staff that this was going to be a position that the Packers really valued. And I didn't think that necessarily. They had a ton of choice in the fact that the offense was so much different last year, uh, last year specifically when, when Jared Cook was really clicking, and even in the past uh, with Aaron Rodgers-led teams when Finley was in his prime, that was to me when the offense was really at its best. So I felt like this was a position that both the front office and the coaching staff identified as a position of need to really take this offense to the next level. I think they really wanted to do some two-tight end work, and by going out and getting Martellus Bennett, who to me was the best free agent tight end on the market, and uh, you know uh, definitely a solid piece in Lance Kendricks, they really went out and addressed the need. They have now, to me, three very good tight ends that they can put on the field. Obviously, they're going to mostly run one and two tight ends at a time, but they they've afforded themselves the luxury of having a lot of different looks and a lot of different mismatches that they can throw at teams. And that was something I felt like they really needed to do. And I'm excited that they went out and did it.
0: Yeah. It's something I didn't see coming, but in hindsight, it's something that I'm really excited that they did. And uh, well, we're going to get into more of these players here specifically now. Andy, what what are the odds Martellus Bennett can be one of the most productive tight ends in the NFL? Because I think he has the potential to do so, but will he realize it in Green Bay?
1: That's a great question. I think he is going to realize his potential in Green Bay and and perform very similarly, similarly to what he did in New England last year. I don't know that from a production standpoint he's going to be one of the top two or three tight ends. Simply because Green Bay spreads the ball around so well. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers spreads the ball around so well. And they just have so many weapons. Um, they have three tight ends capable of catching the football. Uh, they are going to have, obviously, their top three receivers that are going to demand a lot of attention. And, you know, Ty Montgomery uh, out of the backfield is someone who's going to catch some passes. So I just think there's only so many catches to go around but that being said he's like i said he's gonna uh, realize his potential from a an overall standpoint i think he is going to be a weapon i think he's going to be used both in the pass game and the run game and i think he's going to have a really 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 solid year it's just how much numbers can he actually put up uh, that being said it, i think if you would take jared uh, jared cook's production over the course of the games he was in that year and, and place it over 16 games i think that's what you're kind of going to see from a uh, a statistical standpoint receiving, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Um, But I think he's just going to add so much more value overall. And I think it's just going to be tougher for teams to match up and just play, the, you know, when the Packers go in 11 personnel and, uh, you know, the defenses have just kind of played the the same press man-to-man defense against Green Bay for so long. I just think he's going to be such a matchup problem that, Teams might have to get out of that a bit, and maybe even if he doesn't see that production, I think it may help the team and the other receivers as a whole. So I I think he's going to recognize this potential that the Packers are hoping for, but that may not mean that he's going to be a top two or three production tight end in the league. But the potential is there. I agree with you.
0: Yeah, hopefully he just stays healthy and he can uh, realize that uh that that potential within him. Uh now Andy Martellus Bennett has strong off field interests. It seems like almost every other day he's working on some project, sharing it on social media. Uh, you know, I I know he's done this in the past. I don't know to what extent he's done it, you know, with the Patriots or, you know, with the Bears before that. I, is there a chance he's a distraction to either the team or himself? I think there's absolutely
1: a chance. And I, I would be kind of surprised if, if he does uh, go the whole three-year contract, if at some point – He doesn't become some type of distraction in some way, shape, or form. But I think what you're going to get with Martellus Bennett is the good is well going to outweigh the bad. And I think his, um, you know, again, production that we just talked about, both receiving and blocking, and I think just his energy, his demeanor, I think that's going to help in a similar way to how. I feel Mike Daniels' demeanor and energy helps the defense. They're they're different, but it, I feel in the same way they bring that same type of energy. And I've really liked what I've seen out of Martellus so far and the fact of just bonding with the teammates. You've seen him with Aaron Rodgers. You've seen him bond with players on social media. I feel like that, that kind of attitude and that kind of energy is something that Green Bay needs. They need that in their locker room. And I think it was Daniels that said something to the effect of, you know, we don't need a bunch of, you know, choir boys or whatever. You need some attitude. You need some people to, you know, uh, you know, ruffle stuff
0: up every once in a while. And I think Bennett's going to bring that to the offense and I think it's needed. Yeah. I hope that uh, if any, you know, if this off season is any indication, I, I hope that maybe the, his distractions, his passions are, are maybe limited to the off season. Um, and, and maybe he focuses a little bit more on football because I, I have no problem with him doing what he's doing in the off season. Uh, I guess time will tell Uh, Lance Kendricks, Andy, uh, he was the other big name the Packers added this offseason. What type of production do you see him putting up in 2017?
1: If you would have asked me about a week ago, I would have probably said that I felt Packers Packers fans as a whole were maybe a little too hyped up over Lance Kendricks, and maybe it's from his Wisconsin days or whatever, um, that they were just hoping for a little bit too much. He hasn't had a ton of production over the course of his career in the NFL, and I thought it was a little bit... Maybe misguided, but I went back and I watched a little bit of his tape, and I actually really like what I think he can bring to this offense. I think he can be a little bit of uh, – he's obviously going to be a receiving tight end. He can be a little bit of an H-back. He did some fullback stuff actually even um, in, Saint, or in Los Angeles, excuse me, and I, I just feel like he's an overall really nice fit. From a production standpoint, I think probably like 30 receptions, 300 yards, three touchdowns, or those are 3-3-3 on you. But I think something around there is what, what makes sense for a number two, number three you know, tight end. But I think what he can bring to this offense uh, is going to really fit in well with how the Packers motion their tight ends, how they get them in mismatches. I think he's going to be a really nice piece for Green Bay.
0: Yeah, I think he'll be a nice complementary piece to what – martellus bennett uh offers because they offer something different and uh, i think that's a good thing uh now richard rogers seems a little like the odd man out to me but you know if we do look at his statistics you know he over the past three seasons he's had over 1,000 yards he's had 12 touchdowns what's going to happen to him now
1: well i think you know you use the word complimentary for bennett and kendrick i think there's a little bit of that with rogers and kendrick as well Whereas I think Rogers is going to be a little bit more of your more physical blocking tight end. I think Kendricks is going to assume the role of maybe that H-back receiving tight end. And I think they may complement each other. I think obviously Bennett's going to get the majority of the snaps as the number one tight end. I think the other two are going to split snaps as, as kind of uh, both the number two and three tight ends combined, depending on what the scenario is. I still see Richard Rogers as, as someone who can be a red zone threat. That size is just always going to be something that's. Uh, you know, advantageous come come the red zone, but I do agree with you in the fact that that Kendricks uh, I would I would say has a chance to outplay uh, Rodgers from a playing time standpoint. The other thing that I looked at that's a little bit interesting is is Rodgers' contract, and the, he's got one year left at about 1.8 million, and the cap the cap hit uh, if they would cut him is is like 300,000. So they they would save. A pretty good chunk of money by actually releasing him i don't see that happening i don't think that that's in the cards for richard rogers but should one of the should sandland uh you know or uh or peck play really well in the off season, i think there's an opportunity there i wouldn't i wouldn't expect it but it's not completely out of the question
0: fair enough um you kind of alluded to this andy but How are the Packers going to split up playing time between these three tight ends, and and how often do you think they'll use two tight end sets?
1: Well, I I tweeted something out a while ago, and I retweeted it last night. One of the formations that has me most excited about Green Bay uh, this upcoming season is a a two tight end set, and that's with Kendricks and Bennett at tight end, Um, Montgomery at running back, and kind of pick your two receivers that you want. I think Cobb in there creates even a little bit more uh, fun and options, but you put two wide receivers, those two specific tight ends in Montgomery at running back, and you can almost run any formation that you want. Um, I think Kendricks again has the ability to line up as a fullback, Bennett as a tight end, you get your two wides in Montgomery at running back. I think you can also split all five of those guys obviously out wide, and they're good enough to be. Receiver receiving threats at every single one of those spots. It's not like when Richard Rodgers has been in there in the past and he's basically either in there to block or he's easy to shut down and you only have four options. With, if Green Bay goes with a lineup like that, they're going to have five receiving options. They can pick the best mismatch they have and attack it. And the, to me, that's a, a really exciting formation. And then on the flip side, if, if they do do that and the defense goes dime defense against them to try to shut down the passing attack, Again, you line up either two tight ends with Montgomery in the backfield, um, or or you could do something crazy where you've got Kendricks and Bennett at tight end with both Cobb and Montgomery in the backfield and a receiver out wide. Now you've got some really interesting um, running options where the defense is going to be in either nickel or dime formations and may not be set up to stop a run game. So I'm really hoping that they're going to involve more two tight end sets. I still think their three wide is going to be their predominance, at the end of the day, you have to ask the question of: Would you rather have the, you know, one of the three Packers, you know, receivers on the field, or would you want Lance Kendricks on the field? And I think at the end of the day, you probably want that third receiver a little more often than not. But I'm hoping it's more of a, you know, 60% three wide, 35% you know two tight end, and then mix in a bunch of random looks at the other five percent. That's what I'm kind of hoping for.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, We talked extensively about, you know, the guys whose names we know at tight end. Now if we could just talk a little bit about these guys who are maybe a little bit longer shots, but guys we're going to see in training camp. For a guy like Bo Sandland, uh, who was on the practice squad last year, Andy, is it going to take an injury for a guy like him to make any sort of impact? From an impact
1: standpoint, probably. I think you know, Sandlin's biggest thing this offseason is probably just going to be to go out and try to achieve a roster spot. Um, For both Sandlin and Peck, I mean, for – well, Sandlin was technically drafted last year by the Panthers. But for guys who weren't drafted by Green Bay, um, I think they're in really nice positions overall in the fact that they've only got three guys ahead of them. This is a team that's kept four tight ends often and even five tight ends in the past. And there's only five on their roster, so they're they're one injury away from one of those guys being the number three tight end and, and certainly active on game days. So if if, if either of those guys, and, and we'll talk about Stanley now, can go out and and provide that they can play special teams, um, they're going to have a chance. And then you always have the opportunity to get in game time with an injury. I think that's still probably their best bet to get on the field is via injury, but. You know, for for Sandlin specifically, you know, he's just going to want to go out and show that he can earn a spot. Uh, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, I think the, the three tight ends ahead of him are, are very likely to make a roster, uh, make the, the Packers roster. Um, obviously, Bennett's going to. Obviously, Kendricks is going to. Um, and then it just comes down to Rodgers, who is also likely to. Now it's just can Sandlin beat out other players on the team as a better special teamer, or is just his value is so high that they need to keep him as a fourth tight end? I think he has the ability to do that. I went back and watched as much tape on him as I could find, and I was actually fairly excited. His, some of his junior college tape is just ridiculous just because he's a man among boys. Um, but it was fun to watch, and his athletic profile is actually pretty intriguing. So if he can show something in camp, I think he's got a chance to stick. And like you said, he's one injury away from being able to at minimum make the team and possibly make an impact.
0: Yeah, it's that next man up mentality. Uh, finally, Absolutely. here, Andy. Uh, obviously, we don't know a lot about rookie Aaron Peck yet, uh, but just in general, you know, what kind of challenge do you think he faces entering his first training camp?
1: Yeah. So this off season, I went and tried to find as much film on all the undrafted free agents as I could find, and uh, and Peck was one of them, and he was actually one of the probably the top four or five undrafted guys that kind of stood out to me as someone who could maybe make an impact, probably not this year, but maybe a practice squad guy and down the road, he's got a unique frame and size um, that I think uh, could be advantageous to that kind of receiving tight end role. His, his biggest challenge ahead of him, of course, is, is, you know, he hasn't played tight end in college or at any level as far as I'm aware, certainly not in the last couple of years in college. Um, you know, now he's all of a sudden got to try to make a, make it as a tight end in the NFL And then, you know, what can he provide from a special team standpoint? Um, What can he, you know, prove, uh, you know, in a short offseason that uh, the Packers would maybe keep him on a 53 roster? I think that's going to be his biggest challenge. But he's a big guy, soft hands. He's not afraid to go across the middle. And uh, I I think he has a chance, certainly at a practice squad spot. And if he can start there, um, you never know what that can bring long term. So I think that's probably his... His first goal is to try to make it through, obviously, that first round of cuts and then to the practice squad. But the talent is there. It's just going to take probably a little bit of a transition. But um, one of the things that's uh, the last thing I'll say about him that's interesting is, uh, you know, when it comes down to a competition spot between Sandlin and Peck, one of the things that is interesting to look at is uh, Sandlin only has one year left on his deal. Um, whereas Peck actually has a three-year rookie deal, non-guaranteed, and he's got three cheap years um, that would be available. So if they're equal, I would say Pack actually has an advantage over Samlin just from a contract standpoint. Whereas, um, you know, Samlin would actually probably have to prove it a little bit more uh, because he's only got that one year under team control. So it's just a little nuance there that's kind of interesting for a camp battle.
0: That's a good point. Uh, Andy, uh, this has been a very interesting and enlightening conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Wish you all the best of luck with uh, your writing here at Cheesehead TV and excited to see more from you.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and the opportunity. Have a great rest of your day.
0: Thank you to Andy Herman, uh, Cheesehead TV's newest writer, joining us here at RailBird Central. On a Friday morning, glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's
1: going on out here?
0: I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, and I just briefly want to give my two cents on the tight end position uh, this morning. And, and what I'll say is that, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to the Packers front office and the coaching staff for not standing pat at the tight end position, because I think that really could have been a weakness and at times has been a weakness for the Green Bay Packers the past couple seasons. It could have been really easy when Jared Cook kind of stood his ground and, and, you know, kind of didn't like what the Packers offered him at first. And and so, you know, uh, by by him standing pat, you, you know, the packers instead, you know, easily could have, you know, thrown more money at him or they could have, you know, stood by Richard Rodgers, but they didn't. Uh the packers went out and improved the tight end position vastly. They improved it alone with the addition of Martellus Bennett who I think really can be one of the best tight ends in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. Uh but on top of that, have a very good complementary piece With Lance Kendricks, who offers something completely different, more of the H-back role uh, that uh, he'll be lining up in the backfield a lot, almost as a fullback. uh, But I still think he can be a very big part of the passing game in a different way. Um, You know, to have those two guys, and I think Richard Rodgers being the number three tight end, I think he can be the best number three tight end in the NFL, and uh, I think that's where he fits. Um, And, and, you know, I'm sorry, uh, but Richard Rodgers is just not a good number one tight end. Um, And even a number two sometimes is a stretch, but I think he can be a good, good third tight end and a contributing one at that, especially if he can contribute something on special teams. Um, So uh, kudos to the front office for doing that. Uh, And I just wanted to get that out. Uh, But we, we have some news here. We have the fallout from a pair of traffic violations involving members of the Green Bay Packers this past December. The first has to do with wide receiver Geronimo Allison, who is suspended for the regular season opener against the Seattle Seahawks by the NFL on Wednesday. This stems from an incident in which Allison was charged with misdemeanor possession of marijuana after being pulled over for speeding this past December. Uh, Allison reached a settlement with prosecutors and paid a small fine uh, along with community service obligations. And even though Allison is suspended the regular season opener without pay, He can take part in all training camp practices and preseason games. That isn't affected at all. And really, it probably won't affect his standing with the team very much. I can't see the Packers letting a one-game suspension affect their view of Allison too much. Now, if it was a four-game or more suspension, that would be different, but it's not that long if Allison can still contribute for the remaining 15 games of the season, the Packers will accept that. Uh, that being said, however, Allison is on kind of thin ice here. Maybe not so thin like we're talking strike three in your row, but you know, what, what a suspension from the NFL means is that Allison has already violated the league's substance abuse policy at least twice the first time Every player in the NFL kind of just gets a warning or uh, it's the second time when they actually get suspended. And he's only entering his second season in the NFL. So this this definitely is not going in the right direction for him. Uh, And and this is on top of some offensive posts on social media made by Allison that were discovered by the media last season. So basically what I'm saying is that Allison is staring at a fork in the road. If he can keep his nose clean from here on out, then the vast majority of people, including me, will be willing to overlook his relatively minor transgressions and chalk it up to youth and immaturity. Um, The other road is less desirable because the suspensions only get longer from here on out. And with talented rookies like D'Angelo Yancey and Malachi Dupree breathing down his neck, Allison isn't at a point yet where he's above reproach. Um, So make good decisions, Geronimo, from here on out. We want to see you, and I want to see you succeed, uh, but I want you doing it the right way without penalty uh, along the way. Um, The other situation referenced earlier is in regards to Packers safeties coach Darren Perry, who was fined $225 after being convicted for first offense drunken driving on Thursday, according to the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Perry's driving privileges were also revoked for eight months, effective July 27th, which just so happens to coincide with the very first practice of the season for the Packers during training camp. Apparently, his lawyers asked for a delay of the driving privileges, Uh, But there was no word on whether that will or was granted. Uh, So Perry may have to get used to taking an Uber to work or arrange for some other form of transportation. This all stems from an incident in which Perry was pulled over and arrested and, uh, pardon me, not arrested, but tested uh, for a blood alcohol content of 0.21% back in December, which is more than two times the legal limit. Uh Perry has had some previous issues with driving and alcohol in other states. So we can only hope the conclusion to this latest incident uh puts to bed any continuing theme here. Or I hope so for Darren Perry's and anybody else on the road's sake. Um so, uh just wanted to update you on those incidents that uh, you know, kind of uh came to light the past two days or since our last episode of Railbird Central uh, and uh, rather, you know, incidents that are not so good or put the team in a a poor light, uh, but all things being considered, you know, uh, relatively minor. Uh, it could have been a lot worse with these things, um, and, and hopefully that's the last we hear of them, or, or so we hope. The day ahead. There is a ton going on with the Green Bay Packers over the weekend, starting with the annual Packers Hall of Fame induction banquet. Former Packers wide receiver Donald Driver and cornerback Mark Lee will become the newest enshrinees into the team's Hall of Fame on Saturday. The event begins at 4.30 p.m. local time and dinner and a program to follow at 7 p.m., according to the Packers' official website. So our congratulations go to Driver and Lee on their accomplishments and very deserving induction into the Hall of Fame. This one event basically accomplishes two things at once. It brings to an end the off season and it ushers in the beginning of the 2017 football season. And it also coincides with a couple other events that mark the beginning of training camp in Green Bay. On Friday evening, there's the annual 1K Kids Run being held at Lambeau Field, followed by the annual Packers 5K on Saturday morning before the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. It goes on a route that goes through Lambeau Field and finishes on a replica 50-yard line constructed in the stadium's parking lot. Walk-up registration ends on Friday at the stadium if you're interested. Uh, so there is a deadline, but proceeds go to charity, and it's a fun event if you're interested. Um, several Packers players are also doing a variety of things. Their last weekend before the start of training camp, defensive light, blah, 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 blah. Defensive lineman Mike Daniels is making an appearance at the popular Comic-Con in uh, San Diego on behalf of Dragon Ball Super on Friday evening from 7 to 10 p.m. local time, as Daniels himself shared on social media. And if you follow Daniels on Twitter, you can see he's already at Comic-Con taking in the festivities, which is very cool. Uh, Meanwhile, Packers rookie running back Aaron Jones is hosting a youth football camp on the campus of his alma mater at UTEP on both Friday and Saturday. I saw registration is closed, but it's cool that before he even plays a professional game, Jones is giving back to his community and then finally, Packers linebacker J. Roan Elliott is making an appearance at the Boston store in Brookfield, Wisconsin, on Saturday from 2 o'clock to 3.30 p.m. So there's lots going on in the world of the Green Bay Packers, with more to come on Monday when the shareholders meeting takes place. And that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central, folks. There will be no episode of Railbird Central on Monday, But we'll be back again next week to continue our series uh, on the Packers positions and uh, get ready for the start of training camp. Now, less than a week away, so lots of Packers football to talk about in just a short amount of time. So excited to do that, folks, and excited that football is uh, on the doorstep or on the horizon here, the foreseeable horizon, just a short amount of time away so thank you everybody so much for joining us thank you to Andy Herman for being our guests on today's show uh, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30am Central Time that's a live edition of the show podcasted and on demand later in the day we'll see you later folks I leave you today with a song called uh, Song In My Head by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go!